All right, the date was uh, May 12, 1937. Uh, George, King George the, the Sixth and Queen Elizabeth stood in Westminster Abbey and were coronated King and Queen of England. The coronation took some 16 months to plan and spanned over 23 days. The procession itself from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Abbey was a six-mile journey filled with just all kinds of people in the crowds. There were over 32,000 soldiers that took part in the place and 20,000 police officers lined the route. The coronation was commemorated by issuing of official medals, coinage, and stamps, and, the, uh, and there were just a number of dignitaries and people that visited. Um, if you look at that, what is today? Does anybody know? Palm Sunday, thank you. Palm Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, the church uh, really is centered around this next Sunday, which is Easter. It's not Christmas, isn't the, the focal, it's Easter. This is what being a Christian is really all about. It's really celebrating what Jesus did for us. So as you can see from this story, and you look at our, our uh, fairy tales, we love the story of kings, queens, princes and princesses, right? Walt Disney has made so much money off of this. Uh, it's incredible. Because we all want the good king. If you, if you really look down deep in yourself, right, we were meant to be led by somebody, and we want a good king. And we want the fairy tale, right? We want the, the prince to meet the princess, and we want them to live, what, happily ever after. It's embedded in who we are. We want the king. Well, today we're going to look at um, the true king, and we're going to go and uh, uh, take a look at what he did when he uh, was beginning to come in to be coronated, and we'll see what happens. Um, so if you're visiting us, we are going through the book of Matthew, and we have been for the, for the past uh, over a year. And uh, so uh, I'm going to uh, kind of fast forward, and I'm going to take us to Matthew 21. We were in Matthew um, uh, chapter 12 about. And uh, so anybody that's been following along and you don't know how this story is going to end, uh, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert right now that I'm going to fast forward and we're going to see how things end. So uh, apologize for that if you've been waiting. I am joking, by the way. Um, all right, so uh, what I'm going to do is have everybody stand with me in honor of reading the Word of God. I'm going to be reading uh, chapter 21, and we're going to read through verses 1 through 11. It's printed on the screen, but if you have your Bible, turn to that, please. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey, and tied there uh, and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Let us pray. 
Dear Father God, we come before you and we recognize that we are a needy people. Lord, we so desperately need to hear from you in this world that is filled with untruths and just things that, uh, that do us no good. But today, Lord, uh, we have the honor of standing and opening your holy word, your love letter to us, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray right now uh, that each of us would pray that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I have nothing to give these people, only you do. So right now, just pray that God would open your heart and your ears to, to his truth. Now, pray for me. Pray that I would be humble before God and that he would be able to speak through me and that what I would have to say today uh, would honor him. Lord, we thank you. We come to you expecting to hear great things this morning. I pray that you would not leave one person unchanged by the reading and the study of your word. It's in your son's holy name, I pray. Amen. Have a seat. All right, so... Um, like I said, we're going to be fast-forwarding uh, into chapter 21, and uh, so it helps to paint a little bit of the setting of what's going on. Uh, as we've been talking through, the book of Matthew is really a book that is showing the life of Jesus, and it's really focused around the kingdom. Uh, the title of Mike's message series is called The Kingdom Within, and what we have been looking is, here is this Jesus. He has been uh, coming onto the scene, and he has been coming uh, to these people uh, that are in Israel and in the surrounding lands, and he has been doing things that have been rocking everybody's world, right? And he is making statements and claims about who he is and why he is here that has really uh, caused a lot of tension. Uh, so Israel is under uh, Roman rule. They are not uh, where they should be. And so here comes this Jesus, and he's been saying, hey, uh, I'm the one that a lot of these prophecies have been talking about. And so he's been coming in and, and saying, look, I'm bringing this kingdom that all these prophets have been prophesizing, and it's really caused a big stir. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, what you see is about halfway through Jesus' ministry maybe, um, uh, you see a turning point. So Jesus has been coming in and, and basically saying, here is the kingdom and offering the kingdom to the people. And when you get to about this point in the book of Matthew, you see a very big shift in Jesus' ministry. He no longer is going to the people of Israel and offering the kingdom to him, but he is now starting to take his focus and point it onto the disciples and preparing them for an aspect of his ministry that they were not going to necessarily understand. And so what you see is that uh, this pinnacle of, of Jesus' ministry is, is setting here, and he comes up to, to uh, the disciple Peter and says, Peter um, and, and disciples, who do you think I am? Who am I? And what do the disciples say? What does Peter say? He gets it right. He says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. Right after this, there is an interesting little, uh, I love Matthew because Matthew understands, or as he's writing this book, he understands that people in the year uh, 2016 aren't going to necessarily understand everything in this. So he gives us a little commentary. And so uh, if you read with me in verse 21, uh, you see a, a change here. Uh, From this time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things 
from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Wow, something's different. Jesus is now going from being this, uh, this person that's going out and preaching the good news that he came to bring, and what's he do? He now is going to turn, and he says, I'm going to Jerusalem. He has a mission. Jesus is going to go do what he came to do, which was to die for us. So this marks that point. And so now, if you fast forward to uh, uh, chapter 21, Jesus is, is, is coming in. You've got this Passover celebration. Passover is really a huge deal for the people of Israel. This is people come from all over, if they're able to, and they congregate into um, Jerusalem. And why was that important? Why was Jerusalem so important? There was this thing that God had put together called the temple. And the temple was there, and the people of Israel associated the temple with God's presence. And so at Passover, when they're going and celebrating uh, the release out of Egypt that God had done, they're going there uh, to celebrate with their God and with their people. So this is a big deal. So what you see is there's so many people coming into the city uh, for this celebration. Um, and when we get to verse 21, we know that Jesus is headed there. And what does it do uh, in verse 1? When they approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, what does he do? He stops. All right? So in the, com- in the weeks prior to this, Jesus had really raised his ministry up to this pinnacle point, right? He had escalated things with the Pharisees. He had made bold statements. And, and now he, he is headed to Jerusalem. He's going into the lion's den, right? He is going into where uh, there's sure to be trouble. And he gets close to it, and he stops, okay? Anytime Jesus does something and the, the Bible captures it, you've got to ask yourself, why? Okay? He knows what he's doing. And so Matthew goes on to say, what did he do? He takes two of the disciples... And he sends them into a little village, and he says, when you get there, you're going to find a colt tied to its mother, and when you get there, you're going to take it, and guess what? If someone says something to you about them, about why are you taking them, here's what you're going to tell them. So what, are the, what, what happens? The disciples do what they're asked to do. Um, and they go over there, and guess what? They find exactly what Jesus had said. So I find it really interesting. The disciples had come to know and trust what Jesus had said. They don't question him. They go. And guess what? He finds it. Jesus is is continuing to demonstrate he knows all things. He knows how it's going to play out. He is, only God can do that. Okay, so he's making that statement. So the two disciples go, and uh, they bring them back and uh, put... uh, put their coats on him, and get, he gets ready to go complete his journey into Jerusalem. Now, uh, the other good thing that Matthew does, if you look here, um, in verse 4, Matthew says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. So again, uh, Matthew is good enough to tell us, he's giving us, look, you probably don't understand why he's doing this. Why would Jesus, who has been going to Jerusalem, why would he stop and go get a donkey? Okay, if you're just listening to the story, it's crazy. Why, why would he do that? Well, Matthew tells us why. He says this took place, this being the, them going and stopping to get the donkey, to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And this is the prophet, this is a quote from Zechariah uh, chapter 9. 
uh, verse 9, and it says, Say to the daughter of Zion, um, Zion, daughter of Zion was a term that was used to refer to the people of Israel. Right? And it, was come, it, it really had, as they started looking forward to the coming kingdom when, when Israel would be really the center of the earth uh, or the world, and, and they would be ruling over that, it came to be synonymous with Zion, was that name of, of that future people where God was with them. And it says, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Okay, wait a minute. Now, if you're like me, and Jesus is claiming all these things. If you're like me, what is up with a donkey? What? I mean, of all things, come on, what is up with that? So what you would learn in the, in the day of, of, of these people that they were living, right? a king that was coming into a country to conquer it, if there was opposing forces, how would the king arrive? He would arrive on a war stallion with all his armies behind him, and he'd be coming in to, to take names, right? He'd be coming in full force. But what you see here is a king that was coming in peace into a land that wasn't uh, you know, inhabited or hostile toward him. What would he do? He would ride on a donkey. This was kind of the, the, the social or the cultural norm in that day. So what Jesus is doing is saying he is the prince of peace. He is coming in peace because as he stated at the beginning of his ministry, he is not coming to bruise any broken reed. He is coming to show them, look, I'm here for you. I'm here to be their king. So again, keep thinking about the, the fact that we want this king. We want a king. The people wanted the king. But as Mike has talked about in previous chapters of, of Matthew, the people of Israel wanted a different kind of king. They wanted somebody that would come in and free them from the Roman rule and come in and just clean house, right? They wanted that. So why in the world uh, would Jesus... Uh, do this? Well, uh, it, it really is, uh, Jesus n knew what he was doing. It really is because he is saying, okay, I'm going to escalate this to the point of no return now. I'm going to go into their hometown. I'm going to go put it right in front of them. And I'm going to say, look, the, the scribes and Pharisees knew their scripture. When Jesus does this, there is no doubt in their mind what he is doing. He is making a statement that says, you know all those prophecies? I'm that guy. And he was throwing it right in their face. And he was bringing it to a head. Okay? So when you look at Holy Week, think about what was going on. Jesus is going to leave us with no excuses. So uh, that, that same statement still applies today. All right? Uh, if, you, if you look at what Jesus is saying... Uh, if he came and prophesied that there would be a coming kingdom, and he comes in and is rejected and is crucified, dies, and then goes to heaven, that promise of having a future kingdom stands. It is still a valid prophecy. And just like it was fulfilled in what was already uh, put into the Bible, the rest of it is going to be fulfilled. So the point comes to us today in 2016 that we're going to have to make the same decision. C.S. Lewis says, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg, I like that line, or he would be the devil of hell. You must take your choice. Either this was and is the Son of God or else he is a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet 
and call him Lord and God. But let us not come away with patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. So that's the point. Jesus is saying, I am God. I am the Messiah. Now, the question is, what are those people going to do and what are you going to do? So you can either say he's a liar, he doesn't know what he's talking about and he's, he's making this up. He's a lunatic saying that he really thought he was the son of God and the Messiah, but he really wasn't. Or the third option is he is exactly who he said he was. And if that is the case, if he really is who he says he was and that he is the only way to the God creator of the universe that holds the keys of eternity, then we're left with a decision to make. All right, so let's see uh, what happens, all right? Um, Verse 8, it said, Most of the crowd uh, spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. So we see that that what happens is when he comes into the town, uh, as I said, there was a lot of people that were following Jesus because of all the things that he was doing, all the commotion. So you, you often wonder, well, how in the world can Jesus come into Jerusalem and people be celebrating him and then turn around and kill him five days later or four days later? Well, the, the thing is, is you've got to differentiate between the people that are in the town and the people that are out of the town. So the people that are out of the town that are coming in and spreading their coats, these are the people that had been with Jesus and had witnessed this, and they were following him to see uh, what he was going to do. Like, like a lot of people, they thought he was coming in to take, take the kingdom right then. So most of the crowd uh, that was coming with him, what did they say? Uh, they laid palm branches. They put coats down on the road. And you've got to think, okay, what, what's up with palm branches? Why is that? Uh, you know, nobody does that stuff today. Well, in those days, it was very accustomed that when somebody of dignitary, that was a dignitary or of a lot of worth, importance, people would lay things in front of them to kind of pad their way. And we actually still do this today. Um, when you think about uh, a wedding ceremony, who goes before the bride, right? A flower girl. They throw petals. Not palm branches, but something different. When you go and look at these crazy Grammys and all the stuff that our culture does, what do they do? They roll out the red carpet, all right? So this is, this is kind of the red carpet of the day. So the people that were coming with Jesus that really had seen all these things were saying, here he comes, right? And they're, they're laying it down. They, they're, they're hoping that this becomes it. Now, when they get there... Um, uh, you get this, this interesting interchange because you get to see what's going on in the hearts of the people. So um, you, you get this question of the people that are coming in Israel, and it says, they ask, who is this? Now, when I read that, it's just like, who's this? But I really think uh, that what it, it, it's more of a sarcastic tone, right? The Pharisees and the scribes and these people of Israel are saying, who in the world is this guy? Who is this? How dare he come in here and do what he's doing? And what does the crowd say? Right, you get the response of the crowd. This is Jesus. He's a prophet. Right? He's a good man. He's from Nazareth of Galilee. He's a prophet. They stop short. It's, it's so incredible. right? You, you get these, these, these people that are coming together. The Pharisees and the scribes are ticked off because Jesus is claiming to be this promised Messiah king coming into their city. right? And you get this crowd saying, oh, I'm going to kind of stop short and say he's a prophet. He's just a good man. Well, I'll side with Lewis, right? If Jesus really is claiming to be the Son of God and the promised King, then we're left with a choice. You've got to do something with that. So um, with anything, when you come to the Bible and you start reading a story like this, 
you got to ask yourself, so what? What does this mean to me? What difference does this make? So, um, like I said, Jesus uh, claimed to be Messiah. We know, uh, if you look at the book of Zechariah, it's really, it's really cool because what you see is from chapter 9 through 14, you have a prophecy of the, of the future kingdom. So Zechariah, when he wrote this, was writing to a group of Israelites who had been uh, come back to the city to build the, the temple where God was going to reside, right? That's what they thought. Uh, so they were b- back there, and they were under immense pressure to stop, and they had actually stopped building the temple. And so God sends J- Zechariah to say, look, take heart, people. Keep going, because guess what? You're going to have a king someday. Let me paint a picture of what this kingdom is going to be like. So we know from Zechariah that um, there was things that God had promised, and part of this has taken place. Jesus fulfills this. We'll find out this coming week. But we also know that, wait a minute, he isn't on his throne, right? The world isn't all right. There's still stuff wrong. Well, what happened is that when Jesus started seeing that his kingdom was not going to be accepted by his people, he started talking about the coming future kingdom, right? And you see what, what, what is coming is that there is a kingdom future. And in between, he puts this great little thing that you're all potentially a part of called the church. And so what God does is he enters this church period, and he gives us a moment to say, look, I am going to go open this up to the whole world now. It's not just to the Jews, but I'm going to create this thing called the church. And guess what? The great thing is, um, I don't know, you know, if, you, if you're uh, premillennial, amillennial, whatever, right? It doesn't matter what kind of theology you hold to. All Christians of all times have believed this one central truth. Jesus is coming back. Now, what the process is between now and then, that's all great debate for coffee, right? But we can be assured that when Jesus comes back, okay, the difference is going to be that he is not going to be the Prince of Peace necessarily, right? At that point, he is coming, and he will establish his kingdom, right? If you skip forward to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Why are they mourning? When Jesus comes back on the clouds and he comes back the way he was ascended, guess what? Every, every, every person will recognize him and they will say, oh my goodness, it was true. He is exactly who he said he was. And now it's too late. Because when Jesus comes back and he's establishing things, things are locked in stone, right? It's a very serious thing. So if you haven't accepted Christ and accepted his, his, uh, the promise of what he's going to do, you're going to be left there mourning because you know you missed it. That's pretty serious. So what are we supposed to do? Um, the now what? what? What does that leave us with? So let me... Uh, let me first talk to the believer, the person that has already trusted Christ and has put their full hope of their future eternity in Christ Jesus. Um, I, will, I will give you the one word that Jesus uses and John the Baptist uses at the beginning of their ministry, repent. Right? Before God does any movement with his people, the call is for them to repent. Now, this is not a repentance to salvation. If you've already trusted Christ, that's done. 
This is a repentance that says, what happens when, when someone that you love that's really important, if they're coming to your house, what do you do? You clean the house. You get ready. Um, one of the things that I love about Christmas is going to see my mom. Man, she knows exactly what I like. Her house is immaculate. It's all set out. I mean, she even puts candy in a dish next to our bed. I mean, how cool is that? So she knows us. She gets ready. Can you imagine if I got there and she wasn't even home and the house was just a mess? No, what do we do? If you claim the name of Christ and you know he's coming back and you don't know when that is, maybe you should clean house. What are the things in your life today that are preventing you from having a, a more deep relationship with Christ? Well, I can say if Christ really is who he is and he's coming back, I want to get rid of those things because when he comes back, I want to stand before him and him to welcome me with open arms and there is nothing between he and I. All right, now let me talk to anybody in here that hasn't uh, accepted Christ as their Savior. Let me tell you, there, there will come a day. There is a time. It is sure when it will be too late. Yogi Berra said that he never lost a game. He just ran out of time. Let me tell you, this game does have losers, and it's a serious thing. So if you are sitting on the fence, I would tell you that today is the day that you have to come to grips with, is Jesus a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? Right? You can't sit on the fence. You've got you to gotta determine which way are you going. If you have any questions about that, find somebody, ask questions. You don't want to get this one wrong. Right? So um, I want to leave you with a, a very famous uh, song. Uh, as we get prepared for Easter and, and we have this great week to remember what's going on, I want to bring uh, up a, um, a song from Christmas. So listen to this and then we'll pray. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Our king is come. The king you always wanted is coming again. And I would just say, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's pray. Dear Father God, we come before you and we thank you so much that you loved us enough to tell us, uh, to give us your word. And you loved us enough to send Jesus not to crush us, but to give us hope, to give us an opportunity to come to know you as a, as a father, that we can be your sons and daughters. And uh, we thank you that you have done that for us. We thank you that there's no thing that I need to bring except my need uh, to come to know you. Lord, you are a good God. Um, you, you love us so much, and you desire what's best for us. So now, Lord, I pray that we would just look forward to the king coming, and we would celebrate it this year that we would look at Good Friday and Easter anew, realizing that the grave does not hold our king. Um, he is powerful. He is awesome. He is mighty. And guess what? He's a good king. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.